0: Would this be described as a dark and difficult time for you? Pastor Ed Taylor
1: says, be on the
0: lookout for what God is wanting to do.
1: God uses dark times. He uses dark times in our personal lives. He uses dark times in our country. He uses dark times in our families in order to get our attention, to draw our attention heavenward. Dark times, difficult times are used so often to open our hearts to receive his personal message sent by his personal messengers. Listen, I know that there are some of you sitting in this room right now that if it wasn't for the difficulty you've been experiencing, you wouldn't be in church.
0: This is Calvary Church, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We open our Bibles to 1 Kings 17 on this Friday. Elijah is about to enter the scene, and he shows up at a very dark and difficult time. God is going to use him at such a time as this to proclaim the truth. I think you'll see how this relates to our lives, as we too are living in a dark and difficult time. Like Elijah, God
1: can use you too. 1 Kings chapter 17. One of my favorite men in all the Bible is this prophet by the name of Elijah. That's how chapter 1 of our 17 verse 1 opens up. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, "And it's true. Ahab, as we learned in our study last time, was the most wicked king to date. If you just look back in verse 30 of chapter 16, now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord, and I circled the word more than all who were before him. Now think about of that in our own day. I don't think we have the kind of leadership like Ahab in our country. Although some might agree or disagree with that, I don't think we have this level of evil in leadership. Even though it's not as bad as the time in Ahab, I think it's possible for us to see that we're living in troubling times in our own country, in our own lives, in our own world. I don't say that to alarm you. I'm not trying to exaggerate, but I'm sharing with you as a man... As a fellow brother in the Lord, as a dad, as a grandparent, as a pastor, as a friend, like the world in which you live in is crazy, upside down. It seems as if it's more upside down than any other time in history. And we've seen in history some crazy times and difficult times. In our day and age, there's a rise in terrorism, there's sexual confusion, perversion. There's economic craziness. There's oppression of most of the population in poverty. There's political turmoil. The effects of what social media has done on our generation is yet to be seen in future generations. If the coming of the Lord doesn't happen soon, they're going to do studies of the time before social media and after social media. And I believe what they'll find will be shocking. How it changed literally people's minds and thoughts and how they act and how they communicate. Well, we live in a culture that is more narcissistic than it seems like in any other time in history. More self-centered, more, more hurtful, more slanderous. And yet at the same time, it's like when the Proverbs describes the adulterous woman where she goes in and has sex with a man and just wipes her lips and says it's okay. I mean, I see that in so many different ways in our culture where people, even so-called believers, are caught up in the worst of the grievous lifestyles of sin and they just wipe their mouth and say it's okay. Now, as things get darker in any generation, because this is a time here in 1 Kings 17 of a dark time, It's the worst time of any of the kings thus far. So that means it's getting progressively worse. And now Ahab, it says, is the worst of any other king before him. So it's a bad time and it's getting worse. And it's in dark times when so many around the world are not turning back to their creator, not repenting of sin, not humbling themselves, but still resisting and rebelling against the love of God. Recently, there was a big story in the news Something shocking. Can't believe it's happening the way it was reported. There's a Bible study going on in Washington, D.C. And some politicians are attending it. And the world's flipping out. And in one of the quotes, I jotted it down, The one of the quotes of somebody saying, I can't believe there's a Bible study going on in the White House. And I can't believe people, prominent politicians are going to the Bible study. And somebody described it, and I quote, They're taking us back to the Stone Ages. That's your world, it's not Ahab's world, it's your world. Taking us back to the stone ages, which isn't in any way an accurate statement on many different levels. No doubt a college educated person said that. The product of our educational system, able to separate themselves from reality. I suspect after I got over the initial shock Although it's not so shocking anymore But after, after I got over the initial shock I began to pray for this person Because you know if this person isn't hurting already He will be If he hasn't faced some significant trial their, He will If he hasn't been under the influence of alcohol And out of control Most likely it will happen If he hasn't been betrayed yet It will happen If he hasn't had some significant loss yet It's coming And yet This person's positioned himself against the very God that could help. Taking a a role in society to to view godly men and women coming together for a Bible study. To pray together. To pray for our country. To pray for our nation. To to pray for our cities. It reminds me, you can just jot it down, but it reminded me of a passage in Revelation chapter 6 with all the judgments coming down, and you would think after so many judgments and so much difficulty, there would just be mass repentance. It's just, I can't believe God, we're sorry. We are sorry. We don't want it anymore. But instead, the Bible says that in uh, Revelation 6, 15, the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders... The mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. And yet we know as we study the Bible and as we examine history that God uses dark times. He uses dark times in our personal lives, He uses dark times in our country. He uses dark times in our families in order to get our attention, to draw our attention heavenward. Dark times, difficult times, are used so often to open our hearts to receive his personal message sent by his personal messengers. Listen, I know that there are some of you sitting in this room right now that if it wasn't for the difficulty you've been experiencing, you wouldn't be in church. I know that someone listening on the radio right now, that not too long ago, there's no way in the world you would have ever thought you'd be listening to a Christian radio station, listening to men teach the Bible, but it was that dark time that caused you to ask for some kind of help, to seek some kind of help. Why? Because God uses dark times and difficult times. It's often a a channel right to the very heart of the matter in a person's life. And Elijah the Tishbite is one of these messengers that shows up at the darkest time of the kings to date. He just comes up on the scene. It says in verse 33 of chapter 16, Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho, laid his foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, He set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which had spoken through Joshua the son of Nun, and Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab. That's when he shows up. One of the darkest times in Israel's history. He arrives during the reign of Ahab, the northern kingdom, Israel's seventh king. Idolatry and rebellion surround and abound in these dark times. The, The nation has completely turned their back on God in a wholesale way. He's been replaced with weird, sexual, false worship of Baal and Asherah. You you would walk into the nation and wonder, what has happened to a nation that once followed God? What has happened? I'll tell you what's happened. The leadership abandoned God. Because leadership is everything. Those that God puts in place to be examples. Generally, we follow the examples that we choose to follow. (laughs) And we are prone to the flesh. And so if we have bad examples put before us, there's a good chance that we may just choose that. And then it catches on. And before you know it, it's completely sold out to paganism. But the good news is that Elijah brings the truth to a dark time. And the reality, of course, is that in the darkest of times, even the least bit of light is a good thing, let alone a man like Elijah coming with a strong, courageous, bold message of truth. And we're reminded today, maybe in the dark time, in the difficult time that you're waiting on the Lord with, is that God will always raise up someone to speak the truth when times get dark and darker. That's his pattern Now, it it may not seem like there are many people around you that love God. And it may not seem like things are going your way. You may feel even alone and isolated in your faith and your commitment. You may feel as if nobody understands you and some are even coming against you. You may even conclude that you're the only one. You're not alone. Because later on in our study in Elijah, he's going to say the same thing. This strong man used greatly of the Lord goes through a time of discouragement and depression where he's complaining to God, I'm the only one. And that's how he felt. It's what it looked like. That's for a study at a different time as you see how God tenderly, gently, but firmly tells his servant the truth that he's not the only one. Well, let's just get a sneak peek. Why Why don't we? Turn to chapter 19. We won't go into depth in it, but chapter 19 Here's Elijah after great victory, after God uses him in an incredible way. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. This is 1914. 1914. Because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And what is God's answer? Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel of all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, every mouth that's not kissed him. Here, Elijah feels like he's alone, and God says, there's 7,000 more people that are with you, Elijah. People following you. I like this in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. There's even a song that's sung. And while King Ahab and Jezebel, his wife thought that they could continue to rule over the people by rejecting God and false worship, God sent a messenger to tell Ahab, you need to repent. Your reign is not going to last. That God sees everything that's going on, Ahab. And this man's name is Elijah. Notice in verse 1, if you want to circle it, you can circle the word Elijah, and his name means my God is Yahweh. My God is Jehovah. And, and it's a beautiful scene because Ahab has been leading this, this country, this nation, this nation under God. He's been leading him as if there is no God. Baal is your God. Asherah is your God. And God sends him a man with his name that says, no, my God is Yahweh. Ahab, you worship Baal and Asherah, but I'm sending you Elijah, the man that says, God is my God. God. <laughs> We're told in verse 1 that he's a tishbite. A tishbite. Sounds interesting, but it describes the area that he came from. And he came from an area in the Bible that's known as Gilead, from the Jordan River on east of the Jordan River. It's a rough and rugged area, probably a place where they'd put an REI there and a lot of outdoor rough type of living and Elijah was no 70-pound weakling. He was a rough and rugged man, perhaps even like John the Baptist. He was dynamic. We'll see, a miracle-working prophet of God. I mean, Elijah, he prays down fire. He prays down fire from heaven. Have you ever felt like doing that? Yes or no? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. I mean, everybody on I-25 has had that thought. I mean, we, we just... Man, he was able to bring down fire from heaven. He prayed for rain to stop. He prayed for rain to start. He was used to raise a boy from the dead. He worked miracles. I mean, the Lord used him in super incredible ways. And this is where we need to pause for a moment in Elijah's life and set the scene for him because Elijah Elijah teaches us a lesson. Teaches us a lesson not just by observation, but actually the Bible says it, and we'll get to that in a second. And and here's just a reminder for us, uh, a reminder for everyone that feels like the 70-pound weakling or feels like you're not the strongest believer that you want to be or feels like you're never going to overcome this or you're never going to get through that and wondering if God will use you, if God wants to use you, remember this, everyone that God uses is normal and ordinary just like us. Or I could say just like you and just like me. There is nothing super extraordinary about Elijah or about you or me. I mean, it's also good to pause here in relationship to how you connect with your pastor, whether it's in this church or you're in another fellowship. Your pastor, the pastoral team, the elders of your church are not superheroes. They're not cut from a different cloth. They were born like you were born. They came into the world like you came into the world. In our own movement in particular, most of us that have been entrusted to ministry came from very rough, difficult, if it wasn't for the Lord, we wouldn't be alive type of backgrounds. Many of us, our lives were so backwards, and I can speak for myself, my life was so backwards and torn apart by sin that, that I wasn't able to go to school to study like in seminary or Bible college. And that, that's when there, there are times where there's a big gasp and you go, wait a minute, Ed, you're a pastor and you didn't go to seminary? What are you doing up there? I don't know. <laughs> God is just so gracious. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And I'm just so grateful that I could be used. Because if my life would not have been backwards and knowing my temperament and knowing the kind of person I am, I would have been a professional student, I love school so much, I'm just one of those guys that loves school. And I'm one of those guys that can study the night before for a test. The ones you got mad at all the time. That's how I got into so much trouble. I would mess around all week and then I'd just study for the test. And go in and ace it and not remember anything that I studied. And that got me into a lot of trouble and started backwards. And, Hey, man, if you're able to go to seminary, do it. If, if that's the Lord's will for you, if you're able to go to Bible college, do it. I did take a few classes in Bible college before I moved out here and in, in the church that I was in. It was a Bible school back then. And then right when they converted it to a Bible college, I went in and asked for permission. I said, I took all the same classes, all the same teachers, and now it was the Bible school when I did it. Now it's the Bible college. Can you please transfer my credits? And the answer was no. Okay, thank you very much. I waited for a new director to come on. And when the new director came in, I went in and I said, I told him my story. Here's all, you have all my paperwork. It was a Bible school when I did it. Now it's a Bible college, same teachers, same curriculum, same books. Can you please transfer my credits? No. I waited for another director. I'm already out here pastoring the church. I'm already out here. I've been pastoring, I think, uh, probably 15 years here in Colorado, and uh, maybe even 16 years in the last couple years. uh, I get a call from the director. He says, hey, Ed, I'm going through, and and I know him, and I'm going through the paperwork, and I see that you only need a couple classes to finish. And I said, yeah, but you know, the previous director said they weren't gonna transfer it, and I just kind of gave it up, and he says, well, do you wanna finish Bible college? And I said, yeah, I'm just a couple classes away from my associate's degree. (laughs) Of course I want to finish. And he says, okay, do this work. And and he gave me some assignments and and I got them turned in and there's a beautiful white piece of paper hanging on my wall that says I'm an educated pastor now. So I said, yes. Why are you guys laughing at me? We don't need that. We do need to study to show ourselves approved, but a degree isn't conferred. You know, a person isn't a pastor because a degree is conferred. A person is a pastor leader because of God's anointing in hand upon their lives. It's his work. God uses ordinary people. He uses people that, well, that surrender their lives to him and live for him. You might compare yourself to Elijah as we study him and and be discouraged. I'll never be like Elijah, you already are. I'll never measure up, you already do. He's a man just like you, a man just like me. Maybe you're not comparing yourself to Elijah, but you're comparing yourself to your sister or your brother. Or you might look at how far your father went, and, and you just didn't go. You just weren't cut off that clod like your dad. Your dad was so good at this, but you weren't, and you went in a different direction. And, and yet it, now, it, instead of just being satisfied with what God's doing, you kind of get discouraged when you compare yourself with someone else. Well, you know, the Bible actually says that it's not wise to compare ourselves with someone else because you're unique, and God's doing something unique in you. and and God has gifted you, and you have an upbringing, and where you came, God's will in your life, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that they, measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Elijah's just like you, just like me, and he comes at just the right time with great courage and boldness, and and believe me, as you study his life, he's going to need boldness, and he's going to need courage. Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace
0: and a message from Pastor Ed Taylor. Hear it again online at calvaryaurora.org when you search for Elijah the Tishbite arrives. Pastor Ed, like Elijah's day, these are dark and difficult times we're living in. What are some of the ways the Lord might use our listeners at such a time as this?
1: Well, you know the Bible speaks about the last days and how difficult the last days are going to be, Larry. And and in the last days, we we would use the Metaphor of darkness, um, because things are getting darker. But the good news is, is that Jesus Christ used the metaphor of light. That we are salt and light. And so, what are the some of the things that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, can be used? We can be used to love, to serve, to enter into people's lives at times of their difficulty, to speak truth to them, to visit them in the hospital, uh, to visit them in their sickness, uh, to to purchase Bibles for them, to invite them to church, to answer their tough questions, to just be available, to love on people. Um, God wants to use our listeners in, in many different wonderful ways. And first of all, guys, I'm so grateful that you're a part of the Abounding Grace family. We consider you a part of the family here at Calvary Church, and we're so grateful to be connected with you. But open yourself up to God, to be used in great ways. And one of the ways that we can always be reminded is you can give to the ministry here as the gospel goes out. You can partner with us financially. Just go to to calvaryaurora.org, calvaryaurora.org. Go to the Give tab, and we would be so blessed to partner with you to get the gospel out in these dark times, because the darker the times, the more bright the gospel really is and people are responding around the world to the gospel. And we're just a small part of the big thing that God's doing, but I am grateful to be that small part. So thanks, Larry, for asking. And God bless you guys that pray for and support Abounding Grace.
0: Here in the month of December, we picked out a great book we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It would even make a great Christmas gift. It's called The Case for Christ. Like a journalist would do, Lee Strobel does a personal investigation, searching out evidence that would either confirm or deny Jesus as the Son of God, Savior of the world. And we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. Maybe the Lord is stirring your heart to get involved in this radio ministry. We are so thankful for each and every gift that comes in, large or small. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. Again, we can be reached at 877-30-GRACE. Set aside another half hour to join us next time when we'll dig deeper into First Kings with Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. FUNDING GRACE WITH PASTOR ED TAYLOR IS BROUGHT TO YOU BY CALVARY CHURCH, COLORADO.